Up Numbers, the podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk about the all-time greats that made the number iconic, and give you our rock-solid picks for the Uniform Number Hall of Fame. You can also hit us up at puttingupnumbers.com and give us your picks. I'm Tom Davis here in Los Angeles, and joining me from Dallas, he's the beer to my cooler and the pint-sized pants to my Walker Bueller. <laughs> it's Rudy Clinic. Rudy, we've got an interesting number and an interesting guest today. Am I right? You are correct, sir. And man, those Walker Bueller pants, by the way, th- those are like L- Lululemon pants. What is, <laughs> what's going on with those pants? It, it, incredible. <laughs> it, it's just incredible. They're so very small. Yes, they're small. They look like they're painted on and the, the chicks dig it. I don't, but that's okay. It's not for me. Our number. Our number today is the number three. And through all of our podcasts so far, I think we've come to a consensus after looking at this number three, after researching this number three, this is our number, our best number, I guess, you know, our most deep number, the highest level of athlete wearing this number and uh, one of the all, 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 all time bests at the top of the number three. So lots to talk about today. Lots to Lots to dig into in multiple sports about the jersey number three. But before we do that, we had an awesome opportunity to talk to somebody about this number as well. And it's a really unique opportunity. We talked to Mark Helinski. His son uh, died by suicide. Tyler, former Washington State quarterback, just a great all-around kid, a a really mystery what what happened. And we talked to, to Mark about the mental health issues that surrounding athletics and what their their group is focused on and, and doing on the college side, which is really exciting. And I thought it's a really good interview. What a great guy and kind of brings a new light on how a jersey number, the number three, can weave to uh, to a cause and they can kind yeah. of use that as a kind of an amplifier moving forward. So it's it's pretty cool to get them on and and talk a little different than some of our conversations, obviously, in the past, but a really good one. And he was great. The kids, his three sons, all wore number four because their grandmother passed away from ALS. And obviously, number four was Lou Gehrig's number. And so they all wore number four until Tyler got to Washington State and Luke Falk had number four. And so he took number three. And now number three has kind of become the family number in a way. And he'll talk a little bit about that. But obviously, Mark and his wife, Kim, have started Holinsky's Hope Foundation, which is working to eradicate the stigma around mental health issues. So let's get to it. Here's the two of us and Mark Holinsky. Our guest today might not be known by some, but he's probably the most important person we've had on this podcast. Mark Holinsky has three sons. His middle child's name is Tyler. He wore number three as a starter at Washington State, where he engineered one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the program against Boise State in 2017. Just a few months after that memorable win, Tyler died by suicide, though he never showed signs of depression or struggle. In 2018, Mark and his wife Kim founded the Holinsky's Hope Foundation, a nonprofit organization formed to promote mental health awareness and education for student athletes. Last week was Holinsky's Hope's inaugural College Football Mental Health Week, which culminated in the first three day, where players raised three fingers in the third quarter in tribute to Tyler and to bring awareness to the foundation's mission to educate, advocate, and eliminate the stigma associated with mental illness. Mark is here today to share his story and the early returns on three-day across college football. Mark, welcome to Putting Up Numbers. Well, wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me, you guys. 
The podcast, as you know, Mark, is all about uniform numbers, and Tyler's number three has obviously become a symbol now, not only for the life he lived, but the work that you and Kim are doing. For those who don't know, can you share a little bit about Tyler with us? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Tyler was awesome. That was his favorite word, actually. If you ever were around him in two or three sentences, you got that a couple times. Tyler was great. You know, we get a chance to talk to college student athletes and high school student athletes about him. And what we're always saying is if you only had met him, he was one of those guys, difficult to explain. He was always the the light in the room and and not not the shine. You know, he was he was a guy that made you feel better and everybody wanted to be around him because of that. So uh, Tyler was awesome. Uh, we miss him every day. I know your youngest son, where we're looking at you right now, you've got a South Carolina cap on. Your youngest <laughs> yes, son's playing at USC and, and he's wearing number three. Tell us what the number three now means to your entire family. This whole idea of numbers, and it's fascinating, and I, I love the show and I love this concept. Here's where it all started. Kim's mother passed away. She had ALS. She died when she was 60. And the boys loved her. She was, she's just one of those great grandmas, nanas. So the boys all wore number four, whether it was baseball or basketball. They always tried to get number four anyway. And when Tyler went up to Washington State, Luke Falk had number four. And he said, well, I guess I won't be able to, to grab four there either. So he took number three. And it's a bit of a sad story, of course, because Ryan wore number four in high school for Nana and then ended up switching his high school number to three to honor Tyler. So the three itself just represents in our world, it represents Tyler, of course, and it represents this idea that we can knock down the stigma and we can prevent anybody else from suffering in silence. Three is a special number to a lot of people. To us, it, it represents Tyler and, and the sport he loved, college football, in sort of the comforting way. We, we use that as much as we can. It's in, it's in our logo, of course. We have three boys. You know, We have three quarterbacks, three football players. And so we've used it that way. I guess the struggle for Ryan, of course, is you're switching your number. You know, you're, you're trying to represent your your grandmother and make your mother feel better about that. You know, and Kim misses her mom dearly. We all do. And then here he is, a junior in high school, flipping it to, to three to honor his brother. And I, I think there's a lot of weight in that for him. But he's proud of it. You know, he's excited to do it. There's many stories about numbers. Three is a really special one to us. Mark, you mentioned three-day, and I mentioned at the top the college football mental health week. How did it go? How did things work out overall? And what did you learn that you'll now take and move forward now that you have some momentum around what you've created? There's actually a really sweet story behind three-day and and college football mental health week. The short version is this. There's There's a young man named Noah Whalen out in Toronto, Canada. Huge college game day fan, the show, college football fan, and Carolina Gamecock fan. How you even put that together, I don't know. He reached out to Ryan and said, I'd like to do something. I have some ideas. Can I send them to you? It was a quick video, and his idea was, can we do something in college football by using Tyler's three and putting on a helmet? Many, many iterations later, we came up with this idea that we could do that in the form of a sticker, you know, very similar to the way we brought awareness to to cancer and the color pink and the ribbons and the socks and stuff. And it was a terrific idea. At the time, we were thinking of one day ever, and that would be special enough. But why don't we do this every year? Why can't we do something special? I get it every day spoken for October 10th is World Mental Health Day. 
October 3, 10, 3, the threes in there. Yep. We thought, why not, why not bring this whole idea to that entire week? We'll let the schools decide what they want to do to support their own student athlete mental wellness. And we'll give them the stickers and the lapel pins, you know, the, the stuff, if you will. We created a video for three in the third, holding up your fingers right before the first play of the third quarter to support everybody. This isn't just for Tyler. This is for everybody in the stands, on the field, watching on TV, at home. It's to tell everybody there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's okay to not be okay. You know, we saw Dak do this a couple of weeks ago. God bless him. And then last weekend, such a tough thing. But this is what we need. We need to talk about this stuff. We need to bring awareness to it. We can't be ashamed or frightened about it. So it was an opportunity for Lindsay's Hope really to put a, a thumbtack out there and say, can we do this? And there was so much support right away that we said, that's, that's what we got to do. So it was so well received. We got a lot of questions from schools that weren't playing. Why aren't we in that? Everybody's invited. We're going to get rid of COVID and then we're going to start over next year. Yeah. That'd be the yeah. first thing. Absolutely. That's great. You mentioned Dak Prescott and his powerful words and courageous words. Kevin Love has been another important voice in this. Is that what it's going to take, you know, more guys stepping up with with these platforms to kind of take a next step and make this as important as physical health as the mental health of an athlete? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think it's part of it, right? It, the story with Tyler is Tyler was never diagnosed. He never had a mental illness that he was treated for that we know of, right? So why is that? The kid had everything. Two living parents, brothers that he loved, coaches he respected. He had his whole life in front of him. He was going to take over that Washington State squad that year. Just had it all. Why Why is he gone? And there's so many Tylers out there. It's, you know, we're losing 123 kids a day to suicide. So in our world, it was if Tyler's going to go and leave us, and he couldn't tell anybody or ask for help. There had to be stigma. There has to be a, a lack of awareness. There had to be a worry on his part that he was going to lose his job or he was going to look weak or or whatever. And we just couldn't live with that, right? It, we don't know for sure. We're not mental health professionals. So we thought that you can't go wrong here. And the minute we started talking about this, you guys, we got so many calls, emails, texts that were on to something, you know, that... We're not the only ones doing this, thankfully, but it was so important to so many other people. We felt like we couldn't let go anyway. Not that we would have, but, but it was it was that support and love and guidance that we got uh, when we initially started Holinsky's Hope that made it successful and made us able really to do three day in college football mental health awareness. Mark, you mentioned Holinsky's Hope. How can people get involved? How can they join the effort? Well, with Holinsky's Hope, you can go to the website or the social media pages, holinskyshope.org, and uh, find what we're doing. And, and if there's support there that, that you can give us, we, we appreciate it. Good thoughts are always welcome. But, you know, I, I think this is the most important piece right now. It's the way we talk about things. You know, we, words are really important. And I'm as guilty as anybody and I'm learning every day how to choose my words better. And I'll give you the example. People ask us all the time, why are you saying he died by suicide instead of he committed suicide? And it's just a, it's a mindset, right? Committed has a lot to do with it was illegal at one time. But it's also this idea that and, and I think you just said it, Rudy, that you're trying to elevate mental health and physical health to the same platform. And we, they're equally important. We got to take care of, of both sides of that. Um, it's really mind, body and soul. My wife, Kim, says all the time to us, what's incredibly important 
in that comment about commitment, you don't commit cancer. You don't commit ALS, right? I mean, in that, and so when you start and you step back and think about that, and I'm not trying to get into a debate over, you know, if you're 75 and you have a terminal illness and you want to decide your own fate, this is not that question. I'm talking about a 21 year old that had everything going for him. This is not a a resolution to a problem is, is dying by suicide. And so I think the, yeah, it's an important question. What else can we do? We can talk a little bit better. We can choose our words more carefully. We can maybe not use the word crazy as much as, or, or just consider the way we're doing it. Just be a little more thoughtful. And I know it sounds trite, but being kind. Tyler was as competitive an athlete as you would ever meet, but he was also outside of the helmet, you know, and off the field. He was as generous and kind a guy as there is. And I think if we take a deep breath, um, we could do a lot worse than not judge people by the way they look, by the color of their skin, by the sport they play or don't play, the people in their lives they choose to be around. And that goes with mental health and mental illnesses in particular, just being kind about the way we talk about these things. People need to know it's okay to not be okay. They need to know it's okay to get help and ask for help. It's okay to step in and help somebody that's struggling. And I think that conversation is is critically important. We're not the first ones to do it. We're trying to amplify the same message. On top of that, you guys, we are bringing additional resources to schools. You know, the ones we've talked to that are doing this extremely well, that have the resources, are completely overloaded with the need for more. So I think we do that. We can throw a stick and hit a guy that can take care of an ACL tear. I'm not so sure if you're having thoughts about hurting yourself or hurting others or you're struggling with what is real and not, how many of those people are available and are you okay to ask for that kind of help without some... And we've seen it, right? Sadly, in the mass media, we've we've seen when that doesn't work out so well, but there's more of us than there are people that think like that. So speaking up, talking, being kind, I think those are all important. Those are great things for for sure. Uh, Mark, we thank you very much for your time. We are very impressed by what you and Kim have done with your foundation, and we wish you the best of success and luck going forward. We're going to throw up three just as we leave, and uh, we wish you well. Thank you, my friend. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Our thanks to Mark Halinski. For more information on the Halinski's Hope Foundation, go to halinskishope.org. Rudy, we've got a packed number three show for him. Yep. So let's get right to it. Let's start with football. Here are some honorable mention guys that probably we should chat about a little bit. The first one is a very familiar guy, Joe Montana in yep. college at Notre Dame. That's where the legend began. You know, he won a national championship in 1977 and is best known for his Cotton Bowl performance in 1979, which is the chicken soup game. If you remember, he fought off hypothermia, eating chicken soup at halftime, returned late in the third quarter against Houston. Houston was leading 34 to 12. He threw three touchdowns in eight minutes and Notre Dame won 35-34. So cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame and Joe Montana. Another college quarterback, number three, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer won the Heisman Trophy at USC in 2002, where his number three is retired. He was the first pick overall in the 2003 NFL draft by the Bengals, where he wore number nine for reasons I never could figure out. He switched back to number three when he went to the Raiders and later the Cardinals. He retired in 2018 as the 12th all-time leader in passing yards and touchdowns, and he's in the Cardinals ring of honor as of last year. The last one is one from our youth, Daryl LaMonica. The Mad Bomber, 
quarterback the Bills and the Raiders during the AFL years, won three AFL titles, was MVP of the AFL two times, was also a two-time All-Pro. He was replaced by Ken Stabler in 1973, and he played one short-lived year with the Southern California Sun of the World Football League, whose team colors were magenta and orange which is every bit as ugly as you think it is. In your, <laughs> the, with the picture that you have in your mind right now, it's every bit that ugly. The team's other quarterback, by the way, Rudy, was Pat Hayden. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about actual contenders. And here's some Hall of Famer type guys. Uh, Tony Canadeo, who was a halfback for the Packers in the 40s and the 50s. He was known as the Gray Ghost of Gonzaga. Uh, he also served his country in World War II. He was just the third player in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards in a season, is still fourth all-time in Packer history in total yards. His number three was retired shortly after his retirement in 1952, and he was enshrined in the Hall of Fame in 1974. Rudy, do you remember who the MVP of the entire NFL was in 1982? Well, I cheated and read ahead, so I actually do remember, but I wouldn't have remembered if I hadn't cheated and read ahead. A kicker was the MVP. Yes, Mark freaking Mosley was the MVP of the entire NFL in 1982 and remains the only special teams player ever to be MVP in an entire season. With the exception of two years in Houston where he wore number 11, he wore number three as a kicker for the Eagles, Browns, and Washington football team, which used to be known as the Redskins. He also won a Super Bowl in Washington and... He is in the team's ring of fame. He was the director of franchise sales for Five Guys Hamburgers in his post-football life, which that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And he was a straightaway kicker. It's amazing he won the MVP. I think it it harkens back to a media guide cover I saw once that the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, were so bad, they put the punter and place kicker on their media guide (laughs) cover. Um, The Redskins must have had Mark Mosley all over town. Number three for Mark Mosley, man. That's uh, that's hard to top. It's hard to top it, yet we're getting ready to top it. Bronco Nagurski, two-way star who played his entire career with the Bears. The coolest thing about Bronco Nagurski is he actually came back five years after his retirement in 1943 because the Bears were short on players, obviously because there was a war going on. Uh, And he led the Bears to a championship that season. And then he retired again. He was also a professional wrestler, was named heavyweight champion of the world several times. He's in both the college and pro football halls of fame. His number 72 is retired by the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and the Bears have retired number three in his honor. He is a member of the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team, as is Jan Stenerud who kicked for 19 seasons in the NFL with the Chiefs, Packers, and Vikings. He wore number 10 with the Packers because number three was retired for Tony Canadeo, who we talked about earlier. He's from Norway. He went to Montana State on a ski jumping scholarship. And he was a three-time conference champion and All-American in ski jumping, which apparently used to be a college sport. He then set a collegiate record with a 59-yard field goal in his very first season playing football. He was a six-time All-Pro, won AFL and NFL championships, and unfortunately, his toughest day as a pro came on maybe one of the happiest days in in your life, Rudy, as a Dolphins (laughs) fan. Christmas Day, 1971, he missed field goals of 29 and 32 yards and had a 42-yarder blocked in overtime. 
in the longest game ever played, which the Dolphins won and the Chiefs lost. He's the first pure kicker to be in the Hall of Fame. The Chiefs obviously retired number three in his honor in 1994. And as I mentioned at the top, he's a member of the 75th anniversary all-time team. So that's your football list. Lots of kickers, lots of running backs, lots of quarterbacks. We got a little bit of everything in the skill position area. But basketball, we've got some big timers in basketball, Rudy. Who who do we start with there? Basketball is loaded with really, really good number three. So let me start at the bottom, work my way up. But let's start with the sentimental favorites here. And he's not really a favorite of mine. But John Starks is definitely a favorite of a lot of folks, especially New York Knicks fans. Great defensive player. Explosive six man off the bench, six man of the year guy had you know massive game two in the nineteen ninety three Eastern Conference Finals. Easy to make fun of for sure as a Bulls fan as I have been at that era. It was always good. Michael got the best of him, but man, John Starks was a you know a solid player. Damon Stoudemire, a very good college guard and played for several teams, was Rookie of the Year in nineteen ninety six in the NBA. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Did I get that right? Yeah, most Chris improved Jackson. player, uh, LSU grad, 1993, most improved player in the NBA, wore number three with both the Nuggets and Kings. He's still playing hoops. He's in the big three at the tender age of 51. So I'm a big fan of anybody playing hoops at 50, man. He's got a gray beard. Yeah, he looks no, the part. It's uh, awesome. He, that's why he's a sentimental favorite, Tom. That's why he's <laughs> there a sentimental you go, favorite. See? Two more, and these are two great players, man. Steve Francis, Stevie Franchise. If Steve Francis played in today's game, he would be a cross between Damon Lillard and Chris Paul. <laughs> Steve Francis would yeah. love today's basketball. was a number three with the Rockets and the Magic. He wore number one, actually, for two seasons with the Knicks. At Maryland, he wore number 23, and that number has been honored by the University of Maryland. After basketball, he began drinking heavily. DUI in 2016. Things have not done, gone well for Stevie Franchise, but I love watching him play basketball. And last on the sentimental list is Tracy McGrady. Here's another guy who probably was born a little too soon. If he played now, he'd be the perfect, perfect swing guy. Great high school player, went right to the NBA out of high school. 2009 with the Rockets. He switched to number three to raise awareness for his humanitarian efforts in Darfur. So good list there, but here we're getting to some better ones. Honorable mention, guys. We've got Ben Wallace, one of the greatest rebounders pound for pound in the history of the game. Stefan Marbury. Starberry. Starberry had shoes that I almost bought because you know what? They were like 80 bucks. He's actually become a bigger deal in China. He's a legend in China. He's on a postage stamp, and there's a musical starring Stefan Marbury. Quick story on Stefan Marbury. He made me wait at a New Jersey Nets practice for two hours, and I missed my flight. I was interviewing him, and he was Mm. shooting, and then he got got a massage, and then he worked out, and then he got another massage. He didn't care about my flight, Tom. I missed that flight. So I had to stay another <laughs> night in Newark, which sucks, but that's okay. You were a good player. You're an interesting player. Definitely a guy that not every coach loved to coach, but again, again, great, would have been a great player now if he's in his prime. Number three, Sharif Abdul Rahim. He actually scored 10,000 points before turning 26. Really dynamic. Another great swing guy. And then my favorite honorable mention, and I think it's yours too, is Rex Chapman. Yeah. You know, a 
legendary career in Kentucky, a very good NBA player, had massive issues battling opioid addiction, and their train went off the tracks. I think the train's back on the tracks, man. He has really yeah. had a cool post-career uh, career on Twitter. He's one of my favorite follows. This side of Ricky Cobb and the Super 70 Sports follow that obviously we talked to Ricky. His follow is fun. It's light-hearted. It's emotional. It's awesome. And, and, and I'm a big fan. Uh, I know you are as well. Yeah, Blocker Charge is really uh, the reason that I'm on Twitter, to be honest with you. I don't tweet about really anything in my life, but I enjoy what Ricky's doing and I enjoy what Rex Chapman's doing. Yeah. So he's one of the reasons why I'm there. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Great follow. So if you're not following it, jump on. We have three contenders and they're all like royalty. DJ, Dennis Johnson, he wore number 24 during his early career with the Sonics and the Suns won a championship with the Sonics. Um, but then he was number three with uh, when he went to the uh, Celtics. He was actually plucked by the Celtics for one reason and one reason only. He was supposed to be the Andrew Tony stopper. They used to have this great rivalry with the Sixers. And DJ, who was a really, really good nine-time def- all-defensive team guy, was asked to guard him because they knew they'd see him in the playoffs. Kind of worked. Kind of didn't. Andrew Tony still played really well against him, but DJ is a Celtic hero. His number three has been retired by the Celtics. Tragically, we lost DJ to a heart attack at the age of 52. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2010. Very well-deserved. Great player. Another contender, number two on our contender list, is Dwayne Wade. Number three, man, Dwayne Wade. What a freaking phenomenal player. I think they're still having retirement ceremonies for him, though, today somewhere. Um, (laughs) He's a little bit like, you remember this back in the day, Rudy, previous putting up numbers guest, Warren Moon, who had about 35 retirement parties (laughs) on his way out the door in the NFL. And I think at least people we know, if not you and I, were invited to a handful of those. But yeah, everywhere he went there for a while, he was uh, was having a retirement party. So Dwayne Wade did the same thing, and good for him. Why not? Why not? Live it up, man. You're married to a beautiful actress. You're one of the greatest shooting guards in the history of the game one of the toughest as well why not live it up man we you didn't get enough respect in your career i guess let's let's do a little bit more (laughs) um 16 year career won three titles one with Shaq and that he led over the mavericks and then two with lebron and chris bosh uh what a great player fantastic player number one on our list man one of my favorite players alan iverson what a great number three the answer was an 11-time All-Star, four-time NBA scoring champion, and a Hall of Famer. Let's put that in perspective. Allen Iverson, like I'm barely five foot ten. I would look down at Allen Iverson. This is this <laughs> this a this a short guy, but the toughest son of a gun, maybe one of the toughest in the history of the game. Both him and Wade were super tough. They got hit all the time going to the basket. Allen Iverson never stopped going to the basket. He was Rookie of the Year in 1997, the MVP of the league in 2001, and carried the Sixers all the way to the finals on his short but strong, sturdy back. He wore number three with the Sixers, Nuggets, and Grizzlies. Number one when he went to the Pistons, and he's 25th all-time in NBA scoring. 
and led really an interesting cultural change in the NBA, just in terms of style, his famous practice. Uh, we talking about practice uh, interview is one of my favorites. We, we'll have that. We'll have that later on. Can't watch that without laughing every time. But Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, and Dennis Johnson, great contenders for the throne of the best ever number threes. Speaking of the best ever number threes, I think we may have the ultimate contender in baseball, Tom. Why don't you run through baseball? But it is it is a who's who as well. It is a who's who, and we will start with an honorable mention, Ken Griffey Jr., who wore number three for just three seasons when he was with the Cincinnati Reds. And he chose number three because he had three kids, and they all wore number three in their various little leagues. So he put on the number three, and his kids were happy. He made his final All-Star appearance uh, at 37, wearing number three. So Ken Griffey Jr. had just a cup of coffee with the Reds in number three, but he deserves a mention. Alex Rodriguez. Maybe you've heard of him. Alex Rodriguez. Wore number three for 10 years with both the Mariners and the Texas Rangers before switching to number 13, which he wore for Dan Marino, by the way, Rudy, when he joined the Yankees. Uh, He came to the big leagues at 18 years of age, uh, made seven all-star appearances while wearing number three for Seattle and Texas, as I mentioned. He also won an MVP, seven silver sluggers, two gold gloves, and he finished his career with over 3,100 hits, 696 home runs, and 2,000-plus RBIs, despite missing the entire 2014 season because he was suspended for his part in the biogenesis steroid scandal. He holds an asterisk-laden place in the record book of baseball history, and he's a complete weenie, Yes, having interviewed him and having known people who worked around him. So we're not going to spend any more time on A-Rod, and if you're listening to this podcast thinking, hey, A-Rod's going to show up again as one of the Hall of Famers, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. (laughs) This is all the A-Rod talking we're going to do. So we're done with A-Rod. But let's give a... (laughs) Let's give a tip of the hat to two older Hall of Famers, Bill Terry, who had a number three retired by the Giants. He played from 23 to 36. Uh, He hit 401 and won a batting title, thank God, in 1930. And Earl Averill, whose number three is retired by the Indians. Great center fielder, made six consecutive all-star appearances in a 13-year career. And his son, Earl Jr., also played eight years in the big leagues in the 50s and 60s, but never wore number three. So obviously couldn't give the old man any credit for anything there. Some honorable mention guys, Harold Baines. Harold Baines mostly wore number three in his 22-year career with the White Sox, Rangers, A's, Orioles, and Indians. He also wore 29, 13, 10, and 33. He's a six-time All-Star who hit over 308 times. When he retired, he was the all he was in the all-time top 10 for games played, RBIs, Grand Slams, and walk-off home runs. In a really sort of interesting slash weird situation, his number three was retired in 1989. He was actually traded from the White Sox to the Rangers that year. The Rangers came to town and they retired his number. He was 30 years old when his number was retired. Uh, He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2019, and there's a statue of him outside of whatever the hell the name of the White Sox stadium is now, U.S. Cellular Bank Field. I don't know what it is. doesn't matter. Harold Baines is on the list, as is Alan Trammell. Alan Trammell is in the Hall of Fame as of 2018. He played 20 years, all in Detroit. 
was a six-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner at shortstop and the MVP of the 1984 World Series when the Tigers absolutely steamrolled the Padres. Bill James has Trammell as the ninth best shortstop of all time for whatever Bill James rankings are worth. Dale Murphy is maybe the best player who's not in the Hall of Fame. He won number three for 18 seasons with the Braves, Phillies, and Rockies. He won consecutive MVP awards in 1982 and 83, was a seven-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, and four-time Silver Slugger winner. Unfortunately, a degenerative knee problem is what curtailed his production in the last years of of his career, which may actually hurt his Hall of Fame stats and his Hall of Fame cred. But if you remember, Rudy, in the early 80s, when the Braves were on TBS, they were terrible. Yep. And it was just, you had to just wait for Murph to come up because he was the only guy who had any, you know, was was putting any sort of charge into that lineup at all. His number three was retired in 1994. And Dale Murphy was just a great player and really should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I love, I didn't care about the Braves, but they were on TV, like you mentioned, every day. And it was Dale Murphy and Bob Horner right in the middle of that order. Yeah. And Murph was Awesome, man. He should be in the hall. There's a lot of guys. I mean, I'll always mention Craig Biggio when I kind of make fun of the (laughs) Hall of Fame. Um, But there's a lot of guys there in the Hall of Fame. It's like, that's cool, Craig Biggio. But Dale Murphy was much better than you, dude. (laughs) He should be in for sure. Yeah, you think about who were the best players in certain eras or certain periods of time. And if you were ever the best player in the National or American League or the best player in baseball for really any period of time, shouldn't you be considered for the Hall of Fame? Was Craig Biggio ever the best player on his own team? No. And yet he's in the Hall of Fame because he has 3,000 hits and whatever. We could talk about Craig Biggio till the cows come home and you'll never convince me that he should be in the Hall of Fame. But here's a guy who is in the Hall of Fame and he deserves to be there. Harmon Killebrew. Harmon Killebrew wore number three for the Senators, Twins, and Royals. He played 22 years, was a 13-time All-Star, was the MVP in 1969. He led the American League in home runs six times and has 573 career home runs, which was fifth all-time when he retired. It's 12th now. The Twins retired his number three in 1975 before a game with the Royals because he was still playing for the Royals, so he had a Harold Baines-type situation. He hit a home run for the Royals in that game, too, so in-your-face Twins, I guess. Uh, Elected to the Hall of Fame in 1984. It's rumored that he is the MLB logo, although the artist says that he's not, but he definitely is the logo for the MLB Alumni Association which he helped found in 1982. And if you remember, Rudy, in the 80s, when David Letterman was the biggest thing going in 1986, he had Harmon Killebrew night. And Paul Schaefer sang a song about Harmon Killebrew that I still know all the words to, and I sing every so often. (laughs) And it sounded a little bit like this. Okay. (laughs) Beautiful, isn't it? Harmon Killebrew Just say the name I start to think about That long home run A sharp line drive A dislocated elbow Back in 65 Harmon Killebrew You went from Payette, Idaho Straight to the Hall of Fame Yeah So tonight we're paying tribute to that magic name. That's you. That's you, Mr. Harmon Killebrew. 
So there you go. Harmon Killebrew, a dislocated elbow back in 65. Moving on, Jimmy Fox played 20 years for the Athletics, Red Sox, Cubs, and Phillies. He hit more than 30 home runs in 12 consecutive seasons and had more than 100 RBIs in 13 consecutive years. He's the second player in baseball history to reach 500 home runs, and he won three MVPs. He's sort of tied, if you will, with everybody else who isn't named Barry Bonds, who won seven. He's a nine-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. Jimmy Fox, double X, definitely belongs as a contender but certainly the biggest name on the list is Babe Ruth probably the greatest player in baseball history was a cultural icon for 22 years he set career records for home runs RBIs walks slugging percentage and OPS the last two records are still standing today he won only one MVP which is crazy but he did win seven World Series titles and was one of the first five inaugural members to the Hall of Fame in 1936 and we will certainly talk a little bit more about Mr. Ruth as we go forward. Let's dive into hockey just real quick, Rudy. There's not that many of them, so I'll go quickly. Harry Howell was a 21-year veteran who holds the record for most games played in Rangers history. He was a Norris Trophy winner. Marcel Pronovost played 1,200 career games in a 20-year career with Detroit and Toronto. He won four Stanley Cups with the Red Wings and one with the Leafs and was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1978. Butch Bouchard led Montreal's defense for 15 years in the 40s and 50s. He actually couldn't afford his own equipment until he was a teenager. He's still a four-time Stanley Cup champion and was the Canadiens' captain and uh, is a Hall of Famer. His number three is retired. His son, Pierre, was a defenseman who played on five cup winners in Montreal in the 70s. And the last one is Pierre Pelote, one of the best defensemen of his era. He played alongside Bobby Hull and Stan Makita in Chicago, won the Norris Trophy as the top defenseman in three consecutive seasons in the 60s, didn't play his first organized hockey game until he was 17 years old. His number three is retired by the Blackhawks. So those are the hockey guys, which means, Rudy, what time is it? It's time for Scream Stars. And we have so many Scream yes, Stars that I can't keep them all on one page, Tom. Your Scream Stars <laughs> list is going crazy. Number three is great, is one of the probably the best number we've talked about so far. And I think the movie industry agrees with us because they use number three all the freaking time. But go, man, there's got a list. There's (laughs) some big time actors on this list. Unfortunately, a lot of the times the big time actors are not in good movies when they were wearing number three. But we got 15 dudes on the list here. So let's get to it. Number 15, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. was Leo Wiggins in a terrible movie called Johnny Be Good, which starred Anthony Michael Hall as a highly touted high school quarterback in 1988. Robert Downey Jr. in his sort of young, brash, smart-ass period, and it's pretty bad. Number 14, Shad Moss, who is also known as Little Bow Wow. He was Calvin Cambridge in a movie called Like Mike from 2002, where a kid gets Michael Jordan's shoes and all of a sudden can jump out of the gym. Number 13, Rudy, you may not remember this one. 1980, it was a TV movie, and I want to say it was even an after-school special. Scott Bayo, who was hot as a firecracker. He was Chachi Arcola at the time, but he was Buff Saunders in The Boy Who Drank Too Much. <laughs> that is an actual title of an actual television show. It was a, he was a hockey player, and he was the boy 
who drank too much. <laughs> Buff Saunders. Number 12, Joe Massengill, who played Bo Gentry in Trouble with the Curve. 2012. The premise of the movie is dumb. They're baseball scouts who only realize after the kid's been drafted number one that he can't hit a curveball. <laughs> and he's wearing number 67 at the time when they find out that he can't hit a curveball. But Joe Massengill as Bo Gentry in Trouble with the Curve is number 12. Number 11, the late great John Candy, who was Spike Nolan in a movie with the late great Richard Pryor called Brewster's Millions, 1985. And it's not a great movie, but it is kind of an interesting watch. And John Candy was awesome in everything he did. So John Candy belongs in there. Number 10, this is a car, but it's Barry Pepper playing Dale Earnhardt in three, the Dale Earnhardt story. It was an ESPN movie in 2004. And the promos, they ran the promos constantly. And the only line from the movie was Barry Pepper saying, all I want to do is race, daddy. All I want to do is race, daddy. All I want to do is race, Daddy. And so you just heard that constantly. It's really not a great movie, but Barry Pepper does a lot of cool stuff. So we're going to give Barry Pepper the number 10. While we're on the car mode, Paul Newman. Paul Newman's car as Frank Capua in Winning, 1969. Newman was a big-time race car driver, actually a champion race car driver. Number eight, Liev Schreiber. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him as the voice of HBO sports documentaries. He was Ross Ray in a movie called Goon from 2011. He was the antagonist to Sean William Scott's character in the movie Goon. Number seven, John Goodman as Babe Ruth in The Babe. 1992. Kind of a biopic. Not a great movie, but a pretty good movie. And John Goodman looks a lot like Babe Ruth. So nice job out of you, John Goodman. Number six, Reese Ephons as Nigel Gruff in The Replacements from 2000. He was the field goal kicker. He was Mark Mosley in that movie, if you recall. I don't remember whether he actually played. I don't remember really much about him other than he smoked constantly. And I think he might have been Keanu's roommate or something like that in the movie. But anyway, he's number six. Number five, Mike Vitar as Benny the Jet Rodriguez in The Sandlot from 1993. I have to admit to you, Rudy, I don't really see what's going on with this movie. People are just absolutely over the moon about this movie. They think it's one of the great movies of all time. I think this movie sucks, yeah, but I, agree. I just I, don't I, really get it. I agree. I, I think it's so overrated. Uh, it's, people put it up there with Stand By Me. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. I never have gotten it. But man, it, it's always the movie that Major League Team teams will show when they have sleepovers on their field. You know, that's the go-to. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just never really got this movie. I just, I don't get it. Maybe I was too old at the time or something. A movie that I'm never too old for is It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. Jimmy Stewart playing George Bailey. It's a very, very quick scene when he is pitching woo to Donna Reed, who is hitting at 275 miles an hour on the gun in that movie. She is so incredibly gorgeous in that movie. It's not even funny. But anyway, Jimmy Stewart is wearing number three. He wears a, like a football jersey because his clothes got wet because he created a high he created a high school basketball court that opened up and there was a pool underneath it, which actually is at Beverly Hills High School here in Los Angeles to this very day. So that's Jimmy Stewart, one of the great actors of all time, one of the great movies of all time. Love this movie. And 
never can get enough of George Bailey. Number three, Stan Shaw, who played Esquire Joe Calloway in the bingo long traveling all-stars and motor Kings from 1976. It's a movie we've mentioned a lot. It's a movie we'll mention again when we talk about Tony Burton, who played Isaac in the movie and later was Apollo Creed's trainer in all of the Rocky movies. So Tony Burton, you're definitely going to get your day here before too long. Number two, Michael Caine as Captain John Colby in another movie we've talked a lot about, Victory from 1981, where a bunch of POWs basically end World War II. They beat the Nazis. They all get freed from prison camps and horrible situations because Sylvester Stallone is a good goalie or something. I don't know, it was a soccer movie. So maybe I'm a little bit foggy on the on the details. Number one on the list, and this is not close, it's Jackie Earl Haley as Kelly Leak from Bad News Bears, 1976. He smokes, he rides a motorcycle, he hits bombs. Kelly Leak is the guy that you want up in any any clutch situation. So Kelly Leak, yeah. step up and claim your prize. You definitely are the screen stars legend for number three. And that's Screen Stars. That's a massive list. You remember Ricky Cobb helped us with Screen Stars during his uh, interview. And I think it was Kelly Leak that was number one on his list, too. Yeah. Yeah. Number one athlete in a 70s movie. Certainly a consensus. The greatness of Kelly Leak. That's a good list, man. Well done. Well, from the sublime to the ridiculous, we now go to the Derek Rose Award and the Hall of Shame. And if you don't mind, I'll take the Derek Rose Award and you can jump all over. Hall of Shame. Number three on the list is a gentleman named Bob Gassoff, who had just finished his fourth season with the St. Louis Blues when he was killed in a motorcycle accident at a postseason barbecue at the home of his teammate Gary Unger. And so his number three is retired by the Blues. Bob Gassoff was 24 years old, so he's just starting his career and unfortunately was killed in an accident, as was Drazen Petrovic, international basketball star before he joined the Portland Trailblazers in 1989, where he became an instant star as a three-point shooter and probably would be a guy, Rudy, I think today would be a superstar yet again. In 1992 and 93, he averaged 20 points a game. Uh, Unfortunately, he died in an accident on the German Autobahn in the summer of 93. The Nets retired his number three and his Croatian team retired number 10. They also renamed their arena in his honor. He was just 28 when he died. What do you remember about Drazen Petrovic? Yeah, like you said, he's a great player, great shooter, kind of one of the first foreign players that came over here. Now it's so common. He was just a great shooter, a tough kid. Man, he he left a lineage for Croatian players to follow. I mean, we, we talked about one of the greats that's here now um, in Dallas with Luka Doncic and guys like this. I mean, he blazed the trail. Yeah, there's a great documentary. It's a 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN called Once Brothers, which came out in 2010, which is all about him and his relationship with Vlade Divac. The backdrop is obviously the unrest in their native, what was then Yugoslavia. But number one on the Derek Rose Award list is Dale Earnhardt. All I want to do is race, Daddy. One of the greatest drivers of all time. He won 76 races and seven Winston Cup championships, which ties him with Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson for the most all time. You remember, Rudy, he died in 2001 at the age of 49 on the last lap of the Daytona 500. 
Fortunately, his death spurred a lot of safety and equipment enhancements in NASCAR, probably has saved a lot of lives. Unfortunately, it didn't save Dale Earnhardt's life. So Dale Earnhardt is our Derrick Rose Award winner. Who do we have for the Hall of Shame? I really did think this guy was going to make it big. Sebastian Telfair. First of all, great name. (laughs) He was two years after LeBron splashed into the NBA right out of high school. There's this kid coming through, you know, the New York playgrounds, a legend in high school, great point guard, you know, great ball handler, great scorer at the rim. You know, he was the next, he was the next, he was the next. And instead, he wasn't the next. After leading Lincoln High School in every category and getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated, he flamed out. He was a uh, 13 overall pick in the draft war number three with the minnesota timberwolves the clippers and then the cavaliers he also wore 31 30 and 13 he did play 10 years in the nba which is really good but in terms of impact he never got to that next level and i think you know we'd have to consider a draft bus you draft a guy with that much hype and, and it just didn't happen for him. Um, unfortunately, uh, what did happen to him after his career, 2019, he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison on a weapons charge. You know, the next big thing is not always the big thing. And yeah. Sebastian Telfair just didn't didn't make it happen. Yeah, Sebastian Telfair, unfortunately, is our Hall of Shame winner. He never just never could put it all together. And anytime you do 10 years in the NBA and three and a half years in prison, you belong on the Hall of Shame list. So let's move to the heat check, Rudy. And again, there's tons of dudes on the heat check list. I'll start at the bottom and we can work our way to the top. Number 10 is home cooking for both of us. I wasn't going to put one on and take one off. So we've got, for me as a Cardinal fan, we've got Dylan Carlson, who is the next big thing with the Cardinals, supposedly. He wears number three because one of his favorite Cardinal players, Carlos Beltran, also wore number three. He's a switch hitter, and he turns the ripe old age of 22 this month. So he's a young guy to look out for. The other guy is Chris Taylor. Here's the guy who really got a new lease on life. Yeah, Chris has been great. You know, he came over from Seattle. He switched jerseys. Maybe that had something to do with it. He was number one. He went to number three and became the 2017 National League Championship Series MVP. And all those great players the Dodgers have, Chris Taylor really stepped up in 2017, helped lead them to the World Series. Yeah, Chris Taylor, a strong number three. Yeah, anybody who bounces the Cubs out of the playoffs is a hero to me. So good job out of you, Chris Taylor, going six for 19 with two home runs against the Cubs in 2017. Number nine on the list, because he's a hockey guy, Rudy, I'll take him, Seth Jones. He's worn number three throughout a seven-year career with Nashville and Columbus. He was the fourth pick overall in the 2013 draft and is the son of former Mavericks player Ronald Popeye Jones. Seth Jones holds the record for the most ice time in a single game in the NHL history. He played over 65 minutes in a five-overtime loss to Tampa Bay this August. How would you like to have played an hour and five minutes of hockey and lost? (laughs) That's that's a dubious record, to say the very least. But Seth Jones is number nine on the list. Who's number eight, Rudy? C.J. McCollum wore number three all seven of his professional seasons with the Trailblazers. He's become a, a favorite of the Trailblazers. Him and Lillard make up one of the best backcourt duos in the league. He's averaged at least 20 points a game. Uh, when he became a starter in 2016. He was most improved player in 2016. And his number three 
is retired from his Lehigh Mountain Hawks, um, where he was a Patriot League player of the year twice. CJ McCollum is always rumored in trade deals, but the Portland Trailblazers have smartly kept him on the squad and, and is a good number three. Who's number seven? Number seven is Bradley Beal the third overall pick in the 2012 draft by the Washington Wizards. He just finished his eighth professional season this year. He's averaging a career high 30 and a half points and six and a half assists per game. He's a max player who probably doesn't deserve it. I don't know. Bradley Beal is kind of the guy who you're thinking, is he really the guy who's going to lead us to the promised land? But the Wizards seem to have a lot of dudes like that. So Bradley Beal is just one of them. I'll take number six as well because he's a hockey guy, Rudy. Zdeno Chara, 6'9 defenseman who played for the Boston Bruins. He's worn number 33 since 2006, but he did wear number three with the Islanders and Senators. He's a seven-time All-Star. He won the Norris Trophy and the Messier Leadership Award to go along with a Stanley Cup. Who's number five on the list? Well, we've got Steven Gostkowski. Is it Gostkowski or Gostowski? Gostowski. Oh, I should know that because I had him on my fantasy team, Tom. <laughs> he kicked for the Patriots for 14 seasons and three Super Bowl wins before joining the Titans this year. Which means he has COVID. He's got COVID, but he's also on a good yeah. team. So if they can yeah. stay, now that they've got herd immunity there in Tennessee, <laughs> they could be early favorites for Super Bowl. Two-time All-Pro and a member of the NFL's All-Decade team. Really good kicker, really clutch, and deserves his spot in our heat check at number five. But he's not quite number four. Who is number four? Number four is Anthony the Brow Davis, who wore number 23 at Kentucky and the Pelicans. LeBron tried to give him 23 when he came over to the Lakers this year, but the NBA and Nike were having none of that. So he wore number three which is the number he was given the first time he played basketball in elementary school. And he took that number three and averaged 26 and nine this year for the 17-time world champion Lakers. Remains to be seen if he and LeBron will change numbers this offseason or if they'll just leave well enough alone and Anthony Davis will stay at number three. But he is number four on the list of number threes. Who's number three? on the list of number threes. (laughs) Number three is Bryce Harper. We talked about Sebastian Telfair earlier as being a hyped guy out of high school. (laughs) Bryce Harper was a super hyped guy out of high school that actually lived up to that potential. First overall pick in 2010, he wore number 34 when he was with the Nationals for seven seasons, when he won a Rookie of the Year and an MVP. When he signed with the Phillies, he didn't ask for 34 because he felt Roy Halladay should be the last Philly to wear that number. That number has since been retired and Bryce chose number three. So cool story. Number three was his brother and father's number in high school. He's been a really solid player with the Phillies, but he signed a huge contract. A lot was expected. If you don't win in Philadelphia, you will hear about it. And he's hearing about it because they're not winning. He is a six-time All-Star, but again, all those appearances happened when he was with the Nationals. The year after he left the Nationals, guess what they did? Yes, yes, that's right. They won a World Series. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one, pal. (laughs) But Bryce Harper is our third highest heat check at number three but number two is a guy that i'm a big i'm like this guy to me is a little bit of kryptonite he's a little bit of a rod for me um this is chris paul yeah so he's worn number three during his 15-year career with the thunder the clippers and the rockets he wears number three because of his father and older brother both have the initials cp 
So he's CP3. There you go. Yeah. Rookie of the year in 2006, 10 time All Star, nine time All NBA, and an All Defensive player during his prime. Really a leader in the NBA, even as he's gotten older and a little slower. He's so smart, he's made up for any sort of lack of dexterity he doesn't have anymore. He's really smart, dude. I think he's one of the main guys that's responsible for the NBA's bubble. I think he and LeBron made that bubble really happen. And obviously, the bubble was a super success. Chris Paul is our number two, number three. Who's our number one, number three, just to confuse matters even more? The number one, number three is Russell Wilson, now in his ninth year with the Seattle Seahawks. He won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks and lost another one by throwing an interception on the goal line. He was rookie of the year in 2012. He and Aaron Rodgers are the only two quarterbacks with a career passer rating over 100. He wore number 16 in college with NC State and Wisconsin, but chose number three because it represents the Holy Trinity. He is as boring as the day is long, and yet somehow he has the most Twitter followers of any player in the NFL. So Russell Wilson is number one on our heat check list, which brings us, Rudy, to the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame this time around was rough because there are a lot, a lot of players who definitely could be on the list, but we only have five. And so why don't you start us off with number five on the Hall of Fame list? Yeah, what a great list. Number five on that list is Jimmy Fox. And that's spelled with two X's, by the way. Double X won two batting titles and a triple crown in 1933. Elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1951. He also managed the Fort Wayne Daisies of the All-Girls Professional Baseball League in 1952. And Tom Hanks, beloved character Jimmy Dugan from uh, my one of my favorite movies, A League of Their Own, is loosely based on Fox's experience coaching the All-Girls Professional Baseball League team. He definitely deserves to be on our list, but he's not on the top of the list, he's at the five hole. So who's in the four hole? The four hole is Dwayne Wade, all NBA player, eight times, won a scoring title in 2009. Also led Marquette, a former employer of mine, to the final four in 2003. His number three is retired at Marquette. And in Miami, he won an Olympic bronze medal in 2004 and a gold medal in 2008 wearing number nine and he is number four on the number three list so who's number three on the number three list well appropriately enough it's the intimidator dale earnhardt as a sports fan there's some days you remember where you were when stuff happened that was one of those days for me i was a big dale earnhardt fan he was such a dominant force on the track he's a dominant force off the track his merchandise sales annually they still eclipse most drivers. I mean, his stuff is still sold at a high clip. When he was driving, it was an incredible clip. Just the, the perfect guy to follow, Richard Petty, tough guy in the car, great, great driver, and a, uh, a great number three. After he died for a year uh, at every race, on the third lap of every race, NASCAR fans would hold up three fingers to honor Dale as a great tribute to a great a great driver. So he turns in number three appropriately. Number two is a, uh, a dynamic point guard that we mentioned earlier, Allen Iverson, Virginia's player of the year in both football and basketball. Man, what a football player that dude would have been on an option. Can you imagine him running quarterback at Oklahoma? 
and running the The highlights of him in high school are unbelievable. Just watching him play football in high school. It's, it's incredible. There's stuff online. Look on YouTube. It's, um, it's unbelievable. The stuff he was doing on the field. Yeah. And, you know, obviously decided to go forward to basketball, played at Georgetown and Georgetown was always famous for big guys, you know, like, Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning and uh, Matambo and uh, the point guard, a, a little skinny, tough, but skinny, small point guard became one of their greatest all-time players. Won an Olympic bronze medal in 2004. He was wearing number four during the Olympics that time. And his number three is retired by the Sixers. Although, as we mentioned earlier, not a big fan of practice. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. What are we talking about here, man? What we're talking about here is the number one Hall of Famer, George Herman, Babe Ruth, an American icon. Rudy, he was a great hitter, as everybody knows, but let's talk a little bit about him as a pitcher. He was 94 and 46 as a pitcher, including two 21 seasons and an ERA of 2.27, which is still 17th all time. In the 1918 World Series, he won two games as a pitcher and threw 29 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings, which is a record that stood for more than 40 years. People said that he was prouder of that record than anything he achieved as a hitter, and he hit 715 career home runs, or 714 career home runs. And his number three was obviously retired in 1948, which was the same year he died of cancer at the age of 53. So... Gone too soon, but Babe Ruth is a figure that looms large over the entire sports landscape, and he is certainly deserving of our number one Hall of Fame list. What do you think about that? Well, it's a great list. Babe Ruth is clear-cut number one. In, In the Second World War, Babe Ruth was often kind of the signal that troops would give to each other so they'd know in the dark it was allied troops. So Babe Ruth was such a consummate American icon that that was like their special signal between each other because they knew Germans wouldn't know him, but they knew every American would know who Babe Ruth was. He once hit more home runs in a season than the entire league did. That's pretty amazing too. So (laughs) a lot of stuff going there, but Babe Ruth, clear cut, number one, all time player to wear number three, quite a number today. And that'll do it for this edition of Putting Up Numbers. Our thanks again to Mark Holinsky. You can find out more at holinskyshope.org. And if you'd like to donate to the cause, you can text H3HOPE to 44321. This is normally the part of the show where we ask you to rate and review our show. But instead, think about this week about reaching out to a friend. Maybe tell them a little bit about Tyler Holinsky and who he was and what he represented. And remember, if anyone in your life needs help, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-TALK. We'll be back soon with another edition. Until then, I'm Tom Davis. I'm Rudy Klanick. And we'll see you next time on Putting Up Numbers.